everyone, and welcome to the Styling Advisory Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with LA's top personal stylist, Lauren Messiah, and she's going to share with us her secrets for building a successful personal styling business. Lauren began her career working with some of Hollywood's top celebrities and fashion stylists, but she's since turned her focus to personal styling, as well as training stylists, all via her many online programs. Now, the audio quality isn't amazing because we were on a phone call. Lauren was in LA, I was in Sydney, but you know what? It doesn't distract from the gold she shares. So grab a pen and write down literally everything she says, because if you were gonna build a successful styling business, you'd wanna structure your service offering like Lauren's. I've always been interested in fashion since I was very young, like five years old. I knew that I wanted to work in fashion. And at the time, you know, when I went to school, it was only be a fashion designer or be a fashion merchandiser. Mm -hmm. So neither like appealed to me that much, (laughs) but I thought maybe design. So I got a degree in fashion design. Um, discovered that designers do not make very much money <laughs> after I got out into the workforce and got my first couple job offers. I was like, oh, wait, this is terrible. Yeah. So I ended up working retail because I needed a job after college. And that's really when I deci- discovered that I loved dressing people. Uh, mm-hmm. It took years before I knew that you could actually do that for a living And once I found that out, I did celebrity styling, fashion styling, and it wasn't really all I thought it was cracked up to be. So that's when I made (laughs) it. Not as glamorous as it was. Yeah. Like I really, you know, it was when the Rachel Zoe project came out. So it seemed so glamorous and so wonderful. You get to shop for a living hang out with celebrities, mm-hmm. but really it was like long hours, big egos, not a lot of money. It was rough. So I made the pivot into personal styling, which to me changed everything. I got to do all of the stuff that I love to do, shopping for people, making people happy in their clothes. And I got to be my own boss and do my own thing. So once I went down that avenue, there was no turning back. I guess some um, styling celebrities is a great way for you to build up your brand um, or your sort of value proposition to then get personal styling clients. Um, I wonder if it would have been as easy to pivot had you started with personal styling and then moved into celebrity, do you think? Right. I mean, I think, you know, you can make it happen either way. I definitely leveraged the fact that I lived in Hollywood. I worked in Hollywood. I had done magazine shoots. I had done music videos. I had done all of these things. So I used that to help market my personal styling services. And I also like when I started personal styling, it wasn't really a thing. Like there weren't a ton of personal stylists. They weren't even really branded as personal stylists. They were called personal shoppers Mm. and you just bought people stuff. So I you know, kind of had this light bulb moment. I was teaching a workshop to some executives at Nickelodeon and one of the executives said, oh, I wish I were a celebrity because you could be my stylist. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could apply (laughs) the same model that I would use on celebrities, like shopping for them without 
the celebrity being with me. So I would shop for my clients and they would be at home living their own lives. What if I set up a really glamorous fitting for a normal person and make them feel like a celebrity? What if Mm. I made mood boards for them? Like I would, you know, the creative director for a shoot. So yeah, definitely celebrity styling informed how I would run my business. So I'm super grateful that I did it first. I think Mm. these days you could kind of pivot either way. I've seen, you know, tons of my aspiring stylist students start in one avenue and move on to a different one. So a lot is possible these days. But for me, it was definitely great that I started with Celebrity. And, and who's your target market now for the personal styling clients? So now things have changed. <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I started, I was mostly working with female executives in entertainment, you know, here in LA. So I was working with TV executives, you know, agents, television writers. And then I would often like style their husbands as well. So it was great. But when I wanted to market myself and get more clients, I turned to social media to really advertise myself. So that's when I made my YouTube channel and I would create videos that were fairly generic, giving women styling advice. People Mm -hmm. would email me and be like, I don't know what to wear with black skinny jeans. I'm like, all right, I'll like make a YouTube video out of that. So that really put me on the map in terms of people finding out who I was and that I was a personal stylist. So I'd have all of these women who were emailing me wanting to work with me. And I'm like, wait, you live in Russia (laughs) or you live, you know, in in Australia. (laughs) Yeah. You live in, you live in Wisconsin, you live somewhere that's not LA or they'd live in LA and I'd go through the whole process and they'd realize that my rate was like $5,000. They're like, Whoa, I just found you on YouTube. I don't have (laughs) $5,000. So that's when I thought about how can I take what I'm offering and make it available to more women at different price points and where I don't have to be there because I, yes. I had this ma- this like huge waiting list of people that wanted to work with me in LA because of my videos and my visibility. And I was like, I can't shop for all these women. There's no way. No. So, so it's a scalable option for you, I guess, to build the business um, offering totally. the virtual styling services. Yeah, it was, it was for scale. And it was also like, I don't know. I just, realize that styling these women in person as exciting as it was for them to have that moment where they're completely pampered, they would get kind of strung out on me. They'd be like, okay, (laughs) what about next season? Like they couldn't figure out how to get dressed. So I was like, yeah, how could, you know, how can I scale this and make it in a way that I'm actually teaching women how to dress themselves so they can be self-sufficient and, you know, it's kind of evolved from there, watching my clients have these major transformations through my online programs and services, watching them interact with each other, watching them transform even beyond style, where their lives are getting better, they're getting raises, their relationships are better. Um, So then I started kind of growing a community out of these women and these styling transformations. So my career has just been, it's just evolved to like crazy places that I'd never thought it would go. 
It's quite an innovative space, building the Style Confidence Collective, which um, I guess is, is like a virtual styling uh, boot camp um, or training, training program for clients instead of you providing that regular face-to-face styling appointment. Is that right? Uh, kind of. I have, so I have two online programs for clients. One is called Personal Style University, and that's more of the boot camp where anything that I would do for them in person they're doing it for themselves online. So Mm -hmm. if I'm like, cool, step one, I would do a consultation with you and I would ask you all of these questions. So here's the questions that you need to ask yourself and here's what you need to do with that information. If you were my client, I would make you a Pinterest board and a mood board. So you're Mm -hmm. gonna do those yourself. Like, here's how you're gonna shop for a stylist, as a stylist, here's how you're gonna put an outfit together so they can manufacture their own transformation. And then Style Style Confidence Collective is the community piece and it's also the inner transformation because what I found is I interviewed a bunch of my virtual clients that were inside of Personal Style University and I said, what more do you need from me? Like, what's the next level to ensure that you're still growing and your style is transforming as you're evolving? Mm. And they said, I'm really curious about all the stuff you do to like become successful. Like what books are you reading? How are you making, how are you making money? How are you staying centered spiritually? So style confidence collective is about building that confidence. So you feel like a total boss and you can dress accordingly. So we make vision boards. We have a book club. We have outfit challenges. The women can speak to one another inside of a, private group and encourage purchases and celebrate each other. I have uh, one of my clients in Style Confidence Collective. She was going on her first date in 26 years. She had been, you know, divorced and all of the women were like helping her pick out what to wear. And she's snapping a selfie and checking (laughs) back in with how her date went. So the collective is really a community that's centered around up-leveling your life and your style. Um, that sort of sense of community is a brand's dream to develop. It really is that engaged community where the essentially customers or subscribers become their own, um, their own team, their own friendship group. And, and I guess from a commercial perspective, that's fantastic because they're continuing to subscribe. Um, but the brand equity that it builds um, is very unique and, and hard to replicate. So when you started the Style Confidence Collective, did you just start with that small group of women from the Personal Style University that had been quite open with feedback with you and, you know, and, and kind of start with a group of, let's say, five people? Um, well, I knew that when I started the collective that it had to have a bunch of people in it to make it work, mm-hmm. you know? So something that I've done for years now is I do these free challenges. So I have a style awakening challenge that happens every January. I have a love your body style challenge. that happens every July. So I take these women through uh, a transformation. They're in a Facebook together group together. So we've had this community and I'll use those little mini challenge community experiences to launch into something else. So I had 5,000 women in the love your body style challenge in July and they're all like talking to each other and they're doing these exercises. 
And at the end of the challenge, I'm like, hey, if you guys want to keep this party going, if you want to, like, this, you had this transformation for free for 10 days. Imagine how you're going to transform once I give you all of this inside of this paid membership. Mm. So I launched it from there. So then there's, you know, hundreds of women that are saying yes and joining the community. So the community is started off with a lot more than five people because they've got to talk to each other. They've got to interact to really get that value. So that's how I seeded that. But I Mm -hmm. got the information on what to put in it from the clients that I already had. Cause you could make, you can make up what you think people want, but unless you ask, I had no idea that people were that into the personal development side of my life. So I'm the like, internal great. makeover. Yeah. 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 And, and it's interesting, I guess, the more you get to know the clients or the, the members of your community, the more they'll open up. Is there something, um, aside from the interest in that internal spiritual growth, personal growth, um, support service what's what would what would be I guess the biggest thing that clients are looking for in terms of learning about their personal style um you know it really you think it's the thing is they think it's one thing you know so when people come in they think it's because nothing fits their body or they can't afford the clothes that they that they want but really what everybody's looking for at least in my community is they just want to look authentic to themselves. So mm. kind of like I call, I call them all my little misfits because <laughs> I was a misfit growing up. I didn't really fit into any particular group. I never like had the things that the cool kids had. So I was always seeking this place to fit in and trying to figure out like what is my identity and how do I show that to the world? So that's really what my clients are looking for is like, who am I? How do I dress? So I feel okay. And I don't have to apologize to anyone. I don't have to wear what an influencer told me. I just want to feel awesome being me. Mm. So I think that's why my clients find me is because I'm very open about my story and my struggle. I don't pretend like I'm perfect. I don't pretend like I have all the answers <laughs> because I don't. So I think they feel safe to, yeah. you know, to take risks, to put an outfit together with stuff they found entirely at Goodwill and not feel that some fancy stylist is going to shame them for that. I think that's probably one of the barriers to a personal stylist um, attracting more clients is that misconception that if you use a personal stylist you are bound to uh, you know designer brands and a really a really costly service fee um certainly in australia the the notion of a personal stylist is still regarded as as a service reserved for celebrities um whereas i understand that the u.s market adopts the opportunity to have a personal stylist a little bit more freely is that, has that been yeah. your experience? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and especially in the beginning too, I mean, I've been doing this for, for a decade now. So in the beginning, like, yeah, it was this new thing where only celebrities have it. Like, wait, what do you do <laughs> now with companies like stitch fix mm-hmm. and all of these style in a box type of things, everybody in the U S knows that they can have a personal stylist. So it's changed the landscape because 
it's it's almost more difficult to charge for your services. You know, before you could slap a big price tag on it and people that knew they could afford it would reach out to you. Mm-hmm. But now people are like, well, what do you what do you have on a free YouTube video I saw? I'm like, oh, geez. You know, yeah. so yeah. you really it, have it, to carve out your customer and get the price points just right. And I guess the, the comparison with um, subscription models like Stitch Fix and Birchbox yep. and um, Amazon Prime Shopper, um, a lot of these businesses are um, promoting the use of stylists to curate wardrobes for you and taking the, the ease, um, well, providing that ease of shopping by delivering them to you. So I, I feel that it's important now that personal stylists evolve their service offering as the landscape changes as well. Um, Absolutely from that traditional face-to-face one-on-one to uh, a sort of a more digital approach where you can provide, as you do, a one-to-many service, um, but also that you compete from a retail perspective. If, if I guess, you, you might have a lot of clients that say, great, you've shown me what I need, now I need you to organise to have all of that sent to my house and I want it paid for as well. Um, right. So do you, um, do you see the need for personal stylists to start partnering with um, retailers or having access to be able to collect the garments and send them as well? Or are you focusing more on the technique of styling these days? Yeah, I'm, uh, for me, I'm focused more, it's like, it's past the technique, it's mine is like a teach a man to fish model, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Where like, I mean, it's, it gets really tricky because with the rise of influencers and the customers really confused, it's like, you've got these style in the box, you've got personal stylists, personal stylists feel that they need to market themselves as influencers. Influencers are very heavy, reliant on their opinion and dress like me and you'll mm-hmm. be like me. Mm-hmm. So I try to be very brand agnostic and just yeah. not even talk about it because, yeah, one thing that fits for one client doesn't work for another client. And, you know, people, things change, the fabrications, the, how they fit. Like, I can love theory brand mm-hmm for two years in a row and then all of a sudden their stuff is terrible and the fabric is crappy and it doesn't fit someone with a big butt so it's hard to get in bed with these brands because nothing is really one size fits all so not relevant for all of your customers yeah I'd rather teach them the principles of like hey everybody needs you know three pairs of jeans here's some brands that I like in this moment, but I encourage you to do the same thing I would do as a stylist. I have to try stuff on. I have to be disappointed in the dressing room when something (laughs) doesn't fit. Like I don't have a magic silver bullet that's going to put the perfect pair of jeans on you. Mm, mm. Things have to be tailored. Things have to be tried on. Even I, you know, can cry in a dressing room. So just giving them all of the honest information Because, yeah, people want to be told what to do and they get disappointed so easily because we're in that instant gratification. Hey, Lauren, you told me that frame jeans were awesome, but they don't fit me. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not a one size fits all. So I guess aligning with brands is a little bit harder. It's harder. And 
I feel like you have to really look at the customer journey from even before they find you. So when I tell women what I do for a living, I'm like, hey, I teach people how to dress for a living. They're like, oh, cool. I use Stitch Fix, but I got sick of it after three months. It's like, well, of course you did because mm. you're getting the new clothes high and you're having someone tell you what to do. But when you get sick of those clothes, you don't know how to pair them together. You're out of luck. Yeah. So you have to think like copying them isn't the answer. Think about how are they feeling once they get to you and how can you change that experience and make it better? Maybe it is sending stuff, but maybe it's not. That's, that's very true. Tell me, um, because you provide virtual styling services and the Style Confidence Collective program and the Personal Style University program, mm-hmm. uh, there's obviously a lot of digital content that you need to produce uh, from a marketing perspective. And I know a lot of stylists are finding it overwhelming uh, with the role they have to play as a stylist, providing that service, but then also yep. keeping up with the content production for social media, for their website, for SEO purposes, as a lead mm-hmm. magnet. Um, what's your strategy to create and manage the content that you need? <laughs> it's, a <lot laughs> of con- it's a lot of content for creation. It is. Of- I mean, the YouTube clips, the editing, then the, you know, um, sharing those on different platforms and re-editing. How do you do it? Well, the best advice that I got early in my career from a fellow entrepreneur, he said, everything works, just pick one. (laughs) So it's like YouTube videos work, Instagram works, Pinterest works, everything works. Pick one, make that your main focus and just go for it. So for me, it was YouTube. So I'm like, I'm going to spend my money, my resources, my energy on YouTube. And, you know, when I make a YouTube video, I have my editor resize it so I can put it on IGTV and then I'll share it in my IG feed and I'll pop it on stories. I'll use the same video. And a couple days later, I'll upload it to Facebook, but I'm keeping the focus driven towards YouTube and I'm not thinking about all the other stuff and really at the end of the day I mean social media has such value for a stylist especially a new stylist who doesn't have money for like PR or you know Mm -hmm. hiring different people but you have to be careful not to get sucked into the vanity of it all like I recently did a little Lauren rant on Instagram stories. I'm like, I'm so sick of Instagram. I'm like, I'm sick of it because you're trying to do all of these things that you're supposed to do. Oh, I should make graphics with quotes on them. Ooh, I should get a photographer to take pictures of me in my outfit. Oh my God, that didn't get enough likes. Well, I should do this. And at the end of the day, like, is it really helping your business? Is redoing your website a million times really helping your business? So When you get laser focused and think about the strategy, you can start tracking what's working and what's not working rather than just throwing spaghetti at the wall because that's what everyone else is doing. That is fabulous advice. (laughs) It's exactly what I think. Right? And I see so many like, you know, a lot of aspiring stylists follow me because I also 
have a school called School of Style where I teach aspiring stylists how to do this for a living. So I have my students and I have people following me and I watch them copy me exactly. Like <laughs> I'll put to the post. Video up <laughs> to the post. I saw one of my email like newsletters as someone's blog post like four <laughs> days later. And I'm like, come on, you guys don't even know if this worked for me. <laughs> like you don't know. Do, do you that... know what? If it's good enough for Lauren, it's good enough for me. Right. Like you don't know if it converted. You don't know the next three strategy points that come after that. Mm-hmm. So that's where you can get caught up. Like I should do a quote post. Where is that going to turn into giving you a new client? Mm. So. And, and I think that being able to consider the buyer journey from the very beginning, you know, not being aware of um, your services through to how you actually convert them, whether that is, you know, as a subscriber or, an, or a student enrolling in a program or the direct face-to-face service yep. that you offer, um, considering where you can realistically spend your time creating that content and then moving them through that cycle is important, but it's such an easy thing to get overwhelmed with, particularly oh, when you don't have, you know, a marketing background um, or a sales background. And particularly when, as a stylist, a lot of these women are people, people. They'd prefer to be just hanging with people, making people feel great, as opposed to sitting at a computer for four hours a day creating the next blog post so it's um it's probably um your advice to just pick one platform pick a piece of content and I guess create micro pieces of content from that core piece Mm -hmm. is the best approach absolutely and just and just think about what type of stylist you want to be I mean I've recently done like a hard reset (laughs) you know just (laughs) thinking about my brand and how I want to portray myself and what pieces that I want to throw away. If you don't want to be a stylist who creates content nonstop, don't be (laughs) like, I have friends that are personal stylists that are crushing it and they're making tons of money and they're not on social media and they don't care and they don't have a program and they don't make lookbooks. They just work and do their thing. So really look at all the different models that are available within personal styling and choose which one fits your lifestyle don't just take bits and pieces like she's successful i'll take a piece of that she's killing it i'll take a little piece of that Mm. you gotta you have to think in the in the long term well lauren thank you so much for sharing all of your your journey and your insights i think I know so many stylists have a similar journey to yours in the early stages um considering what path they would take after school Um, a lot of them did design and then a lot of them worked in retail and um, a lot of them are now looking to grow their customer base grow their uh, virtual styling services and I think your insights will prove very very useful for them so thank you so much for your time you are so welcome 